If you love Dune, then you're going to love the Dune Boy Box. Every month, the Dune Boys will send you sand from all around the world. We're talking the Gobi, we're talking the Sahara, even the finest sands from the shores of Lake Michigan, as seen in the hit movie iRobot starring Will Smith. For only $14.99 a month, you'll receive a box specially curated and prepared just for you. But don't take my word for it. Let's hear from these highly satisfied customers. Thank you for this beautiful Lake Michigan sand. I can't get enough sand. Thank you, Dune Boys. Thank you so much for the monthly Dune Crate. I just cracked this bad boy open, and the amount of sand in here is staggering. It's it's insane. Uh, and this one also came with a nice extra surprise. A picture of an hourglass. Uh, I... I I don't remember hourglasses used in Dune all that much. I guess maybe this is something I could use uh, the sand for, or or maybe a picture for me to just enjoy. But again, love the crate. Thank you so much. Maybe make the crate just a little smaller. I typically need about three to four people to bring them up, and this time uh, the sand was wet. So, uh, but yeah, either way, again, love the show. Five worms and buzz buzz. I love sand. My kids love sand. Oh my god, what is it's a surprise box. What what could be in this? It's it's sand. Oh that is That's so that's so great. It's uh it's from Michigan. That, 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 yeah, that's just, hey, hey honey, it's that sand we wanted. Yeah! <laughs> That's great! This sand smells just like Egypt! Yes, that's right. For $14.99 a month, you can have your own box of sand. It will be shipped from remote places all over the world. The Gobi Desert, the Sahara, the plains of Africa. You'll be getting sand from all over the place, everywhere, everywhere. It will feel nice, nice and soft in your hands. Oh, it's beautiful. It's wonderful stuff. Fourteen ninety-nine a month is a deal as well. It's a deal. It's a steal. It's a gold watch. You gotta get it. Like it's good stuff. Uh oh. Uh, great. A big fucking box of sand.
It's Dune content, baby. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get excited. We got to make our podcast more exciting. Like, it's just got to be more, like, upbeat. Like, because I listen to some of these podcasts and it's like, it's like a lot of, like, down, not down, but just like, kind of like, I don't know, just white guys talking. Like, come on. <laughs> so I should do an Asian accent? No, no, do not do that. We will get canceled. We will get canceled so quickly. Oh my God. Bazizio will cancel us. No, something. I got we got to figure out t-shirts or something like that cuz make some t-shirts. I think we should do you know how there's that one t-shirt that's like bacon and bacon and bacon and bacon, you know, with the yeah. Yeah, we the, there there was one we, and I put it up on something cuz I couldn't get the the t-shirt shop yeah. thing to work and it was like Dune and Tremors and the Dark Tower and something and something and something and something. And oh, I, I like... was thinking about just—I was thinking about just doing characters from Dune. Oh yeah, like all right. Duke, yeah, like Duke Leto and Jessica <laughs> and Chani and Aaliyah and Paul. Like that's what you could do on a shirt. I—I th- I bet you any money that would sell too, because like that movie's coming out soon, and people are like, people are jumping on board. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of talk when I look at stuff. So it's a like... lot of jumping on board going on. So people are excited, and it's—it's it's great. So bunch of fake dude nerds bunch of fakers bunch of phonies oh my god i think it will be funny when the movie comes out and people are mad that it's different from dude and it's going to turn out that they just watched the 80s movie and you can call them on their shit yeah (laughs) is this the kind of action you wanted (laughs) this is this is exactly the kind of stuff i was talking about yeah should we get should we get like a soundboard for like fart sounds and yeah, exactly. Get it going. <laughs> um, there's a there's a song in the um, in the book that I wanted to try to record. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. The lyrics are good. Like it's it's got good lyrics. So I'm like, I think I can like come up with some type of like track. What was it? Like so a, that, the battle song fun. or something? Uh, no, it was a song that, like, I think it was Chani was singing to Paul when he was, like, recovering or he was adapting to living in the desert. Oh. Yeah, so it's kind of like a, it's not a horny song, but it's, like, kind of like a peaceful, like, lullaby-esque sort of, like, go to sleep, rest sort of song, so. Don't let the sandworms bite. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Don't let the uh, makers bite. (laughs) Bite. Did you watch the the last night with John Oliver thing? Yeah, I saw yeah, that. That was pretty that was cool. Great. I thought yeah. he was going to be on the actual show, and he's like, "That was pretty funny." How sixty minutes does yeah, that though? It, like I've seen that. I've I I can't stand it when they do the those little <clears throat> collections of clips where they just keep saying the same shit. But that actually yeah. made me laugh because then he shows up and is like, "Hey, yeah." <laughs> yeah it was pretty funny um but uh yeah it's also like (laughs) that's like 60 minutes style Mm -hmm. that's how they do it i don't know who 60 minutes is for because i always well i mean it used to be it used to be for everybody it used to be we'd watch it we'd watch it before something what was it we would watch 60 minutes and then we would watch like simpsons or something like Mm -hmm. that 
it was 60 minutes on Sunday and Simpsons was on Sunday, I think mm-hmm. too. So yeah, that's what would happen. We would watch 60 minutes and then watch Simpsons. Yeah. Oh, television. Oh, television. <laughs> Man, I missed Hulu. Hulu. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the streaming. I had. I don't know how it works in Canada. I heard Netflix and Hulu and everything is different up there. Like, there's different rights and everything. Oh, uh, you get different content. Yeah, yeah, you do get some different content. How does that work with the... Isn't there, like, a law in Canada where it's, like, it has to be a certain percentage of Canadian content? So it's, like... A couple American movies and then every season of Degrassi Junior High or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, no, that's 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 more or less what it is. Well, yeah. how long have you lived there? I've been here since two thousand and three, two thousand and two, oh, something I, like that. Why'd you move? Yeah. Vietnam War. Uh just for work and i knew people up here and i wanted to get out of the states because i was like i i liked i liked canada a little bit better i was just like yeah it's all going downhill well a little bit like i was a little bit you know nervous and the crash happened like four or five years later so i mean i wasn't necessarily wrong but I don't want to like pat myself on the back, but like <laughs> I managed to ride out the entire like economic recession with a job. So I was like, yeah, I was, I was, I was doing okay. Um, but still it's, you know, it's selfish. It's a bit selfish to say, but it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I moved up here and yeah, I immediately got a job. So that's, that's the other thing. It was like finding a job in Pennsylvania was not easy. So I just picture a lot of furniture making and chocolate. Yeah, yeah. My dad like made and re uh, rebuilt like furniture <laughs> and like made instruments and stuff like that. So he, he's a woodworker. So yeah, you're not far off. Did you save the world, John? Keep trying every day. Okay. I just read a thing about yeah. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> yeah. Thank you, sir. I read the thing about Johnson and Johnson. It was like they don't settle or. They never settle. Uh, it, it, we sue them for a lot of different things, mm. and, but infamously, they don't settle. So this is a big they, deal. They always take it the full court press. Yeah, they have a habit of <clears throat> until they lose enough trials, they won't settle oh. because they keep the product on the market until they reach the exact point where it's no longer profitable. Right. Yes. Oh, this is like um, the fight yes, club thing with the cars. One hundred percent. Oh man, I learned something today. There, there you go. I mean, they're they're big enough that they don't have to be concerned. Whereas, like some of these other companies, want to come off the market, want to settle because they can't handle the blow to, oh god, people will never use our product again. Yeah. Okay. That that makes sense. Like that's a that's a weird like it's a weird supply and demand thing too. Like, oh my god, that's. Uh... <laughs> Is this the talcum powder? Yes, thing? sir. Oh yeah. man, yeah. It has asbestos in it. Oh god, why would they put asbestos in it? What were they fucking thinking? Like, come on, like, what did you think would happen? You thought that thought that just it would not affect anybody. Now, in their defense. The asbestos is in the talc when they mine it. They just don't bother to take it out. 
Okay. All right. Interesting. Did not know that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So, but still, like, why would they? Yeah, just remove it. Like, get rid of it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dune Boys. We're your hosts. We're your hosts, Dickie and Jeff. Jeff, how you doing tonight, buddy? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm trying something new with the vodka. <laughs> oh my goodness! I was just about to do a hydration check. How did you know? That's amazing. What are you What are you drinking with your uh, What are you drinking with your vodka tonight? Oh, just lemonade and ice cubes. Lemonade and ice cubes. Very classy. Very classy. Hey, hold on. There's another person on here. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, of course. JP, how's it going, man? It's going all right. How are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good, pretty good. No, I mean there's another person on here. <laughs> what other person? What are you talking about? Yeah. Hello? He who controls the spice controls the universe. Whoa, what was that? <laughs> I am Baron Harkonnen. Oh, oh my no. goodness, Baron Harkonnen. He pronounced it wrong, it's true. I think I know my own name. <laughs> oh my goodness. I am Baron Harkonnen, of course. <laughs> oh boy. It's, uh, it sounds like our podcast is being taken over by uh, by uh, Baron Har- Harkonnen. Har- Harkonnen. Harkonnen? Yes. Mm. <laughs> Guys, that's a really special guest for this, the, the conclusion of Dune, the book. Yes, book three, like the uh, the conclusion. Like, I can't believe that we've got, we've landed this guest here. That's amazing. It is an honor to be here. I... I have cleaned up most of the fecal matter off of my body in celebration. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's perfect. Yes, thank you. We appreciate that. We really do appreciate that. Because, yeah, uh, that would be an intense uh, odor. Don't get me wrong. There's still plenty of fecal matter left. (laughs) Oh, okay. Perfect. Perfect. That's great. I spoke too soon. Fuck. Besides the fecal matter, how's everything going tonight, Bear? Yeah, how you doing? Oh, you know, I'm floating in there. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I, uh, I'm excited for this Joker movie. Oh no! Oh yeah, everybody is. I, I'm seeing so many promotions for it. Are, are you here to plug it? Is this SpawnCon? What's happening right I'm now? I'm just a huge fan of. I I I hear bad stuff's gonna happen at the screenings. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! That's no. not gonna be good. Oh. Oh, come I'm on. a villain. <laughs> that's a it's valid true. point. Yeah, that is a valid true. point. That's that is true. Wow. <laughs> so, Baron, you gonna you gonna see the Jokester movie this weekend? I'm gonna wait till Monday when it's cheaper. That's a good idea. Actually, it's the yeah. matinee too. Yeah. If you can get a matinee, it's like a quarter of the price. I go at 10.45 a.m. Oh, that's an evil Best time to go. Best movie, honestly, though. <laughs> and I talk the whole time. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Do you, um, do you turn the suit off so you're not floating in front of the screen and ruining it for everybody? Oh, come on. You, no way. I like floating. I like yeah. floating and looking at the just the top half of the screen. 
I miss most of the movie. That's where the good but stuff But it's evil. Happens, yeah. Well, but you're pushing four... I mean, you're pushing, like, four bills, like... Of course you have to be floating. You can't be, like, sitting in a chair. Like, it won't work. Like, that won't, like, work. The chair won't work. Plus those seats, they're uncomfortable. They're really bad. I know. Like, well, actually... When I went to a recent movie, it was they were pretty comfortable actually. I was surprised. It was expensive though. <laughs> what are your um favorite snacks at the movies? Yeah, bear like what do you what do you go for? I like to sneak in Twizzlers. <laughs> oh, that is that is very naughty. That is naughty. They sell them, but I don't care. I'll sneak them in. What about red vines though? Oh, here we go. Here we go. He's he's evil. Why would he eat red I'll, vines? I'll never eat a red vine. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, he's laid it down. He's not he's not down for the red vines. Fuck. I don't like the taste. There's not not much backstory behind it. I just I'm a Twizzler guy. There's no depth. There's no there's no depth to the uh, red vine. No. Shit. Wow. Well, yeah. This has been Candy Corner on uh, on the Dune Boys podcast. We're talking about candy. Now. I always felt that Twizzlers just tasted like red plastic. Red plastic. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh. How do you how do you have a comparison point for that, Jeffy? I've I've tried it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're firmly oh, in, in red vine like... territory then? Yeah, okay. All right. Interesting. I have no, I have no side in this. I, I have enjoyed both, um, very much. I used to buy, tw- sometimes I'd buy Twizzlers and sometimes I'd buy, uh, uh, Red Vines, depending on what the, what the nah, circumstances the called for. Twizzlers all the way. Oh boy. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Luscious. <laughs> of course, the lawyer si- sides with the villain. That's how you get paid, baby. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's how you get paid. You go and destroy Arrakis, and everything's all good. I'm just exactly. making sure the Twizzlers yeah. flow. The Twizzlers must flow. Baron, like, it is uh, true. Baron, do you have any thoughts about what's going on on Arrakis at the moment? Yeah. There's uh, uh, lots of crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Crazy. You know, they just opened up a Quiznos. <laughs> Oh my god. Are they, are they using those weird we love the moon singing monsters for the commercials there? No, it's it's just teenagers. At worse, even worse. Okay. Yeah. That's that is Teenagers from the local college. <laughs> so like a fr- wage slave Fremen college nearby or something or <laughs> It's a it's a space college. Space community college. What are your uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, Benny Jesuit sisterhood? Yeah, speaking of which, yeah. <laughs> speaking of which. Wow. That's wow. a joke. That's a joke right there. No, I think I just made Officially. a joke. Lawyer. Oh, my God. Guilty. I I personally think all women are disgusting. What do you prefer? Hmm. Oh, no. I don't, I don't know if we should go down this road of... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think we have the Baron here, and we need to go down every road that's available to us. What? What? Every, every single every road? road? Come on. Okay. All right. Fine. You want to? You want to go? Let's let's do this. Then. 
Baron, tell me about your perfect romantic evening. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Let's just say <laughs> it starts with watching oh, no. the movie Blue Jasmine. I'm a fan of Woody Allen. I go down to one of those colleges mm. and I start handing out flyers that say, "Come to my party." It's gonna have a gonna be, be a rager. And I find the hottest men. Packing. I'm talking, talking men, <laughs> men beasts. <laughs> like they're packing. That's what I really like. It's getting a little blue. He's packing. <laughs> Get old blue like, jazz. What, what is he packing? <laughs> that huge floppy cock. <laughs> oh boy! Wow! You wanted to go down that. You, you, we're going down that road. We're I'm certainly going this. down that road. I'm going five miles an hour down this road. Oh, five miles an hour! I'm enjoying this. <laughs> enjoying the scenery. <laughs> Oh, well, once they're back at the party, I like to do a little move I learned from George Takai. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's from Star Trek. Yeah, yes. he, you might remember he, he got in trouble a couple years ago in that in that Me Too movement, but he beat it. He beat oh, no. it. Oh, that's hey, oh, hey, good on him. Yeah, way to go, George. Yeah, he did it. You you managed to survive. He survived. <laughs> you know, funny thing about George Takai and surviving. Oh no. Oh, go oh, no. on. No, I just no, said, no. no, 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 no. Go on. Just no, a no. famous internment camp survivor, George Takai. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Oh, why what is happening? We're going to leave it there, respectfully. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, speaking of survivors, um, uh, how, how have you managed to survive for so long? You're, you're like such a, a scheming sort of... Uh, um, backstabbing like character not character but uh b- ent- entity <laughs> he's a bit of a pill he's a character yeah you never yeah. know what he's gonna do bit of a scamp yeah. bit of a scamp well i have scamp. to say when i when i said i was baron harkonnen that wasn't completely true Uh-oh. you see oh no i'm his gola that's <gasps> Do we? Uh, does anyone here besides me know what a gola is? Baron, could you uh, <laughs> inform them so no one yells spoilers? Uh, at basically, me? it means it's like kind of like a clone, but uh, but much grosser. Oh yeah, that's right. Spoilers, Jeff. Uh, hey, thanks, man. Uh, it's like Wait, a gross so, clone. So you're like returned through some kind of clone tank? Yes, yes. I was in like a. Like a, like the thing that, uh, so I'm a bit of an anime head. <laughs> oh, I've heard about this hentai oh, no, shit. You, yeah. You, you have no it's idea. Bad. No, I don't, I, I don't. Come on. <laughs> no. You, you're telling me you don't know what Futanari is? No, it's, no. Is I don't want to know. I, I do. Is that the love pillow? No, no. It's when it's a woman. <laughs> oh, it's way past. It's a woman jump. with a big floppy cock. <laughs> oh, it's all coming full circle. You asked for this, Jeff. I'm loving it. 
Oh Wait, my God. so what does that have to do with your cloning? Oh, I was going to say, it's like when Goku was on uh, the planet Namek, and he was in that, that, that juice, his life-giving juice tank. A tank gave me life I, juice. I, I actually get that reference. Yeah. Do you do a lot of low-gravity training, then? Well, I have a hard enough time in the gravity of one. I have, a, I have a lot of mechanisms that keep me alive. I shouldn't be alive. What kind of mechanisms? They're like, they help, they're basically, in order to eat, like, a full rotisserie chicken, I have to have these, these mechanisms in place that kind of move my body around. Uh, I, I don't, I wish I knew what they were called, but I'm not a nerd. <laughs> I fair. just use That's it. Fair. Yeah, sure. Let me, let me ask it. When you're eating a, a full rotisserie chicken, are you are you using your hands and your mouth, or are you somehow taking yeah, it I all? Can't at once? Using my, I can't remember using my whole body to eat a piece of food. I like before. to do it. It's usually my hands and I my like mouth. I like to do it Kobayashi style with my hands behind my back. What? And then I have. Do you, do, you, do you dip the chicken in water first to make it go down? No, I just kind of suck it all, like, piece by piece. I, oh, I could suck a rotisserie chicken for several hours before finishing it. That that sounds highly erotic. <laughs> it is. I have one of the boys from the uh, the Sonic. Yes. Oh, here we go. Oh, I like no. to go to Sonic and, and recruit no. boys to help me eat rotisserie chicken. <clears throat> like... That's uh, I mean, that seems like a good spot to hit up. I, I like that ten thousand years from now, the um, Sonic has survived the fast food wars. Well, no, because yeah, exactly, the interesting it's thing like is still there on the other yeah. side of the universe. It's rallies. Yeah. Oh, interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a different like conglomerate that owns them. Or no, something it's like, like a Hardee's Carl Junior thing, man. Yeah. We have checkers oh, okay. here. Checkers. Maybe I'm thinking of checkers. Oh yeah, I've had checkers. I've had checkers before down in Florida. Yeah, down Florida way. I mean, they're all not Whataburger, so I've never had Whataburger before. Is it? Is it like? Good? You know what? It's funny. You literally take a bite, and you're just like, "Damn, that's a good hamburger." Baron, what what would you say is your perfect meal? What's what is the meal that you would eat um, when you were eventually put to death for your crimes? Your final meal. So there I am. There we go. I've just done a, a bang bang. Uh, that's 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 when you go to several different restaurants on the same day. I have a little. I just kind of cr- like take some some McDonald's hamburgers and crush them in some Taco Bell chalupas and smush into like a little ball, like in the movie Star Kid. Oh God. And, and I have it, and I put it in a little gun, and I and I have a, uh, I have a, a Nepalese man, who normally would should be. Did you say a Nepali man? A Nepali man. Nepalese. He's, he's, he's a Nepali Nepalese man. I find a man okay. who who would help out uh, people cr- like climb up the Himalayan. I find the strongest man doing that. A Sherpa. A Sherpa. A Sherpa. Yeah. And I take his shirt off. <laughs> okay. And then I have him. That, 
So far, it makes sense. I have him shoot this this conglomerate of different fast food items into my mouth. Most of it doesn't get in my mouth. Most of it just sticks to like the chest hairs on my body, and I leave it there. Mm. I leave it there, and I look at it. Well, leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> and then whenever I'm hungry, I just kind of. I have the suspenser, the 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 mechanisms that help me live. I'll take. <laughs> I'll like kind of force force them to pop it up into my mouth. Wow. Yeah, I usually have a vanilla shake. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That is what I'm talking about right there. I think you're living the life. I'm jealous. That is the that is the upbeat shit that we need on this podcast right now. <laughs> if you guys want, I, I can I can send the man over to your house. I own him. He's he's my slave. Oh, it's a- oh right. Yes. <laughs> oh God, no. The Nepalese, the Nippley Nepalese yeah, the, man. The nip- yeah, his name's his name's Fred Urchin. <laughs> Fred Urchin. Why is his name Fred Urchin? Why, what? Wh- why wouldn't it be? <laughs> That's true. Actually, yeah, it makes sense for a Nepalese person to be named that. Have you been to Nepal? Not recently. Well, love it. <laughs> I've been to Schaumburg, Illinois. <laughs> you know what's funny? I have been. Yeah, there we're too. talking about we're, we're talking about we're we're talking about Nepal, New York, right? And there's a oh, okay. Never mind. Jesus. I was trying to think of the closest thing to Nepal, and all I thought was Schaumburg, Illinois. They have an IKEA there, a Japanese mall. That's pretty exotic for me. That's Swedish and Japanese. What's a Japanese mall? What is that? Well, uh, like, what is that? It's a mall that's Japanese. It's full of stores that are Japanese, gro- Japanese grocery store and all that. I've got okay, something like cool. that, but that's it's cool. a little huh? different. Oh, go on. Oh, I know. Oh, I it's oh, it's boy. filled with with slick, smooth ja- Japanese oh, no. men. Oh no! Oh. Oh. And they're all playing the grand piano. <laughs> Oh, that's great. I like that. <laughs> and they're oiled down. Oh, they're all slicked up. up. I put canola oil all over their bodies. <laughs> canola oil? That doesn't sound great for I the skin. I think that's more Come healthy on. than vegetable oil. Is it? No. I don't think so. I don't think... <laughs> you know, back in the 30s, it used to be called God. rapeseed oil. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I remember that. Or no, I don't remember what? it. But How old are you? I know of it, yeah. I'm like 250 <laughs> years old, you know, give or take. I I, I get I got the spice hookup, man. I uh, I don't I don't uh, I'm hip about time, you know. How Amazing. It goes. Yeah. We'll have to talk about the spice later. But yeah, I remember I'm I remember when, yeah I remember when they called it rape spice rapeseed oil, for sure. We used to tar and feather people all the time. It was great. Here's that. Here's, you ever seen a man? Have you have you ever seen a man covered in tar? <laughs> this is that, this, and then beaten, <laughs> and then covered in what? in feathers. Why is this? Hey, Dickie, you, you know you know I don't do criminal. Like I I'm not I can't be your attorney for this. Uh, also, personally, don't want to be. What are you doing up there? What are you talking about? There, there's no there's there's a statute of limitations on murder, isn't there? Right, buddy. 
by tar, he means maple syrup. And by feathers, he means yes. Tim Horton's maple syrup donuts or whatever it is you people eat. Exactly. I think I think yes, you yes, just yes. gave the most villainous evil man in the universe a new idea. I, I'm definitely oh, going boy. to do this. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I did it. I, yeah, I guess I, I, I might have planned I'm gonna that I'm going to have to one rape seed. The rapeseed, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Baron, uh, mm. Baron, we we have to get going and discuss this book. I would like to say it was an honor to have you on. So I, I yes, just thank I you just so will. much. So thank you so much. <laughs> oh, it it was my pleasure, no. boys. Hey, it mm. was it was your pleasure, <laughs> boys. Would you like to be? <laughs> Uh-oh. Pleasure Boys. <laughs> is it too late to rebrand the the Pleasure uh, podcast Boys. as Pleasure Boys? Pleasure Boys. Uh, it sounds uh, it sounds a little too sensual for my taste. Hey, but, Baron, uh, I like your style. Me. Yes, yes. Thank you for coming on. It was uh, it was a pleasure a pleasure talking to you. Bye. <laughs> um, I think I might want to. I, I got to take a little quick uh, beverage break here. I got to refill my. What are you uh, having beverage. tonight? Can I guess? Scotch and soda. No, not tonight. We're doing a little bit of wine tonight. Nice, actually. me too. Yeah, I got some nice Shiraz uh, here, so uh, it's been uh, it's tasting pretty we good. Got a uh, Riesling that came in a bottle, shaped like a cat. Cool. Mine <laughs> came in mine mine came in a box that was shaped like a box. <laughs> Jeffy, don't worry. We can take a picture and add it to the show notes. Oh, please do. <laughs> <laughs> The high, All right, I'll be right back. I mean, last night, last night we were drinking a wine that had a French bulldog on the label. We got equal time for the pets, dude. Oh, adorable. I hope they're drinking with you. No, they're just breaking all my stuff. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that was I amazing. I can't believe we had the Baron Harkonnen Harkonnen himself stopping by. Yeah. and he He knew a lot about modern times and... I guess we should have asked them more about like the Dune universe. Number one, but, uh, Dune-iverse. I don't know. Yeah, Number the two, Dune-iverse. he seems yes. fairly well-versed in this podcast, not surprisingly. Yes, of course. I guess he's been listening. I, um, I like learning how many things have survived into the future. It's it's always... gives me a little hope that the things yeah. we're doing now will last until the end of time. <laughs> Yeah, our lives will have some kind of meaning or something like that. <laughs> we will have some sort of cultural impact on the future. In thousands of years, someone will be listening to this podcast going, "What would? who are these people? What were they thinking? What's happening right now? That's. I think that's. I think that's. Uh, that's going to be a bright future for us all. <laughs> I choose to believe this as well. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, uh, book. so book three, like, Basically, it picks up like two years after the um, like the main like cataclysmic event on right, the origin. Uh, on, on yes, Arrakis two years after the origin. The, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's pay attention to that two years thing because I'll bring it up later. But something yeah. happens that is um, my least favorite trope, as they say. Oh no, the no, time jump uh, trope or we'll what? get to it. I'll remember the, it because delivering the baby in the elevator. No, but that's one of them. <laughs> I think every single TV show ends with someone being 
stuck That's in another an elevator one. or yeah. conveniently being caught in a bank robbery. Yes. And yeah, the eighties was not a time a of baby. creativity. Yeah. Just cocaine. Oh, even when it happens on shows I love, <laughs> it's like, oh no. We're going through this yeah. again. Yeah. So yeah, book three, sure. The Prophet. As as yes, Dickie says, prophet. it starts two years later and um, Dune is a very serious book, but my favorite little comedy moment happens in the very first part of book three, and the Baron shows up, um, eating a rotisserie chicken, and he, yeah, he's chowing down on that thing. Yeah, he's, he's really grumpy because his nephew uh, Fade Ralpha, uh, he keeps trying to kill him. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty it's, funny. It's, it's it's actually like oh, it's almost like a fairly comedic scene, almost like the way it's uh, presented. Yeah, um, it's very it's it's almost it's almost like light. Yeah, the way that they're like talking to each other. So if you knew from the last episode, the the Baron is he's quite fond of young, uh, luscious young boys, and um, mm. Fade is using them to. And from our interview, oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he is he's sending in the boys and like trying to have them kill the baron and i think he even puts like a poison needle in one of them and mm-hmm. uh the baron finds this out and confronts him and fade is like aren't you proud of me <laughs> and i i loved it i laughed i think it was the first time in the book where i laughed out loud and he's like come on man we're like we're the most evil family in the universe and, of course, we're going to be trying to kill yeah, each other. <laughs> you should love this. And yeah, uh, it's the back and forth. It's like the chase almost. I like the um, I like the scene that kind of uh, that is a little bit before it that uh, where um, Faid says that he's been uh, playing chess with uh, with one of the one of the servants, one of the slave masters, and um, he says that he's lost to him, but then. The Baron says that he should be, like, killed for that, the slave master, the guy that he was playing. He's like, I can't have I can't have people working for me that can't play yeah. chess. So he's like, I want that guy killed. I... And, uh, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty great scene because he, like, kind of tricks, he tricks his nephew a little bit because his nephew, it turns out, had, lo- had lost to the slave master and was setting the slave master up to be, you know, to be killed. And it's like, it's, it's really like, ba- again, like with the backstabbing nature of it. It's really Yeah, fun. there's a scene in, in the last book where he's fighting. They have like a gladi- gladiator match and it turns out they're yeah. drugging the other fighters. So they're guaranteed yeah. to win. So I just pictured this guy playing checkers, like just drugged out of his <laughs> mind. So he's like, like, king me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Struck with a needle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Uh, I also uh, I looked up. Um, I, I didn't realize it up until like uh, when I did my reread that uh, that the Baron's first name is Vladimir. Yeah, <gasps> oh shit! Yeah, and I was, <laughs> oh I was, man, that guy yeah. he ruined it for me. Harkin. Vladimir Harkin. <laughs> I'm, take, I'm taking. I'm taking it. take a drink. Yeah, take a drink. The rules, baby. I obey the rules. But, uh, yeah, Vladimir means renowned prince in, like, the Russian Slavic oh. language. 
And uh, it turns out that, like, the first big instance of a person, like, named Vladimir was, like, the king of Bul- Bulgaria in the, eight, in the 800s. So I was like, that's kind of, that's kind of interesting. It was like, that's where that name came from. This king, <laughs> this king in, in Bulgaria such a long time ago. So it's pretty fascinating that that name has survived and it's still like a name of like, of, well, like respect and power. You got Vladimir Putin and people like that, right? So I mean, it's like, also, yeah, also doing a Cold War thing though. I mean, that's a Russian name. Uh, Exactly, a little maybe a little a uh, little sly wink from uh, from the author there, being like, oh, no, the that it's that are... sly. Uh... <laughs> does does anyone sly. here smarter than me know if there was any bad blood between the Russians and the Greeks that it would be the Harkonnens and the or Vladimir and versus the Atreides? Or I'm gonna stay out of this one. I don't. I. I... I would guess there is, but I can't say for sure. Probably. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, I, I really like that little uh, that little kind of side side story there because um, the nephew is like initially a little bit shocked that uh, that the Baron is uh, that is willing to just kill his his slave master like that. The guy that's like kind of it's like a middle manager basically. <laughs> So he's just gonna kill the guy off. He's middle manager. His name's Steve. He likes to, uh, you know, he drives a Honda Civic. Um, he's uh, he's an all around good guy, but uh, not today. Not today. Today he gets killed because he played chess with with the son <laughs> or with the nephew of the Baron. So, yeah, sorry, buddy. You picked the wrong this day to come to work. Doesn't really have any friends. He just has slaves that they bring in to. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. he like beats him. Yeah, he's not. I'm sorry, probably. So are we guy. arguing that Steve from Slave Counten is basically <laughs> Michael Scott? <laughs> kind of a little bit. Yeah. You want to like you want to film a uh, you want to film a television show in a slave pit <laughs> yeah. and make it like The Office? Is that what you're proposing <laughs> yeah. right now? Because <laughs> I th- I love the okay. idea. We need we to start writing it. fanfic about all the side characters. Yeah, the. Well, yeah, exactly, and they all, you know, they'll occasionally make eye contact with the camera and be like smug, and it's like it's very it's funny. Charming. People like that, very charming. The, the Getty yes. Prime yeah, branch exactly. of Dumbler Mifflin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that has survived into the future. That survived the but the Butler uh, the Butler <laughs> Butlerian <laughs> Jihad. <laughs> Look, you got that? I got ecologist, which I finally mastered five hours. I've got Velociraptor. <laughs> right. Exactly. For the yeah, that's for the impending uh, Jurassic Park uh, um, episode. So, so the Baron says that he he'll step down at some point. He's like, just stop killing me, and um, yeah, just stop. Trying stop. To kill Give me. me a break. I'm tired of doing this. Yeah. Uh, he has a plan that I think is with uh, Thufir Howitt. His now it's like now the Baron's mentant. Yeah, he he basically uh, he transitioned over from being the Mentat for uh, for House Atreides, and um, he switched over to uh, the dark side. Yeah, all because he thought Jessica was going to, or Jessica was the cause of everything. And but he still bears like much resentment against the Baron. Yeah. He's like he he does not like him. He's like 
he's he's giving him he's feeding him information and stuff like that but he's still at the same time thinking like this guy is just such a huge piece of nah, shit Thufer yeah. can't be bought um like at the same token he's he's putting these machinations into into play and um so it's kind of uh it's kind of cool cuz the baron is also like trying to second guess him too and be like what is this guy about like i don't fully trust him and you know i still think he has like allegiances to well, to his former house. Yeah, it's it's kind of so like it's uh it's a pretty good scene too. Yeah, you know? he's keeping him around just to figure out what's going on. I think um, the emperor has this plan where he it's like I can't really tell if he wants to rule the universe if he wants to take over for the emperor, but the um, it's kind of discussed that the Sardaukar are all trained on a planet. We I think we talked about this, and it's called Salsa Secundus, and it is a wasteland. Yes, planet. such a such yep. a great name. I love yeah. that name. And um, it's so cool. It yeah. The all the Sardaukar are trained there because in order to even live there you have to be the toughest of the tough and he realizes that I think with the help of Thufer that Arrakis could be like this. Um uh impossible to live in an environment anyone that lives there and survives is going to be as equally unstoppable as a Sardaukar and he want the Baron wants to have Arrakis as his prison planet. Well, it's interesting too, because, uh, Seleucus Secundus, uh, it said, it, it mentioned in part of the book that the Fremen had once been there. Like apparently the people that, um, populated Arrakis, mm-hmm. like were originally from Seleucus Secundus. Oh, I don't remember that. I don't remember that either. Yeah, it was it it was mentioned I think at some in some part in the second book, I think. It was mentioned kind of in passing. It was kind of a little bit sneaky. I had to look it up again cuz it was uh yeah. But um that's apparently like where they had been um I guess enslaved at some point, so. Yeah. Oh, and maybe they escaped. You know what? I think you're right because they escaped there and they became yeah. the free men of a Ar- Yeah, that's it. Yeah, they left exactly. there and oh, they became free men. They be, yeah, oh my god, I didn't it. get that. Yeah, the free they became the free men no, of, a, of Arrakis, and um, that's cool though. I didn't pick up on that uh, story wise. Yeah. So they threw off the, threw off the shackles of the uh, basically of the empire because the emperor and everything, right? So um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's interesting because then uh, how it. How it uh, then he like he suggests that the Baron like oppress the people of Arrakis more. Yeah, and he he tells them that there's um, ten million Fremen, so there's always this yeah. like suspicion that there was a lot more. And he's like, there's there's a lot more than you think. And but the problem right now is they have a religious leader named Moadib, and. Ooh, yeah. who's this? And mm-hmm. um, it goes back to Arrakis, and Paul is now, I think, 17, 17, 18. And he has just became a drug addict. And he is tripping out, and he's having visions all the well, time. I mean, yeah, no, he is. He, he's still coping with uh, He's still coping with the um, with the spice yeah, absorption. I, I don't mean so. drug addicts. I don't know if I would call it. Yeah, yeah, that was that yeah. was harsh. That was a harsh way to describe him. It's like he's, he's a druggie. He's all tripped out, but he yeah. is tripping. He and he is like seeing into the future and stuff like that, which is kind of interesting because like they say that like when you're doing spice, it like you start to like 
maybe if we could have some like trippy music playing behind the background right now, it would be like you're like flying <laughs> through space. You're flying through space and time. Yeah, and uh, and it's just uh yeah, it's 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 uh it's a magical journey and um but he's also yeah, like you said, he is kind of there are moments when he kind of shakes it a little bit and he's like He's going in too deep. A little man. bit hesitant, so yeah, yeah, it, it 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 is kind of it is kind of interesting his his uh, his adaptation to um to the life of living on this planet, right? So, I mean, it changed it changed Jessica too, right? Like we'll see later in the book, we'll talk about um, it changed her as well. Yeah. So um, he has you know. this vision of his mom, and his mom says religion and politics shouldn't travel in the same cart. Uh, yeah. I don't know if this contradicts it because he says that he sees his mom as being like the cause of the jihad, but this kind of separates it saying we shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't have religious, like a religious thing leading this rebellion. And it's like, I'm not quite sure that just didn't make any sense to me. Uh, it, it, it well, plays out a, in the final, the final yeah. scene of the whole book though. I don't want to get into spoilers, but we'll be there. Paul we'll makes be there. it. Paul makes it very clear that there's Paul Atreides and there's Moadib. Yeah. And just because one promises something, doesn't mean that the other one is promising it too. Um. Okay. So Paul, he's he's I think seventeen right now. He has a son, little Lado. Yeah, a little yeah. little Lado. Lado the second. Little Lado running around. Man, little junior. Oh, I can't talk about this yet, but <laughs> we'll save this. But yeah, he has Lado, little Lado Junior, and today is a very important day in Paul's life because he's taking his driver's test. Oh my God, I like the way you're calling it that. But his driver's test. Yeah, he's got to go down to the old uh, department or Department of uh, Motor uh, Wormicles. Worm? I would have gone with Department of Worm Vehicles. <laughs> worm vehicles god damn it i fucked up uh, so jessica is the reverend mother and she is wait what doing, yes jessica's the reverend mother in the last book she drank the spice before the orgy uh, she, so but she, she drank the uh, the holy water well yeah it's the the water of life sir Mm-hmm. that'll never so, come up again baby yeah she's she's doing like reverend <laughs> mother stuff and her daughter is there Aaliyah. And everything about the book, the way they talk about it, she should be two years old, but she is, and here's my favorite thing, the, the magic fast-growing baby. And It's not, right. yes. yeah, but I it's not just coming. that. Now, that's to be fair, at one point she's described as looking like a four-year-old, but also she's a fully formed adult with all the memories of everything always but walking around as a two-year-old, that is some creepy-ass shit. Yeah, so everyone is freaked out about her. It's like, I don't know if she's kept at a distance, but it's just, I just wrote back, she's weird. Oh, no. Um, no, no, no. They, they call her oh, yeah, they, no, they call no, her the servants. Yeah, the, yeah, the abomination. Yeah, the servants and, Her- and stuff. Hera, they don't, uh, they don't, the Hera takes stuff care of her because them. everyone else is calling her a freak. Well, she's, yeah. But she's my precious freak. Yeah, my precious sister. But it turns out, so it turns out that um, when Jessica was, when when Jessica was pregnant with um, with Aaliyah, 
she had like drunk this yeah, water of water, water, water or something life. like that. The was water of the water life. of life. Yeah. It sounds like a Peter Gabriel <laughs> song again. Yeah. We'll have him on next episode. The water of life. You water of life. Water of life. Cha cha cha. Yeah. Yeah. The water of life is when they kill they kill a baby sandworm. And so the fluid that comes out of the baby sandworm is like pure concentrated spice. So that's what is, it's the most potent drug in the universe. And because Jessica was pregnant, it affected her, but it also affected Aaliyah. So that's why Aaliyah is the way she is. A little creeper. So it's it's almost like a, yeah, it was like a kind of a magical mutation sort of thing that happened to, uh, to the child. And now she is like super powerful and yeah. can read people's thoughts and like control people and stuff like that it's yeah, pretty she's yeah it's uh it's pretty yeah, wild she's, she's a, a hundred powerful like character. a ten thousand year old two-year-old yeah um the concept's so, really yeah. cool the actualization of it is creepy af yeah well and and the whole like jeff said the whole magical fast-growing baby thing like yeah. it's a little bit I mean, I, I, yeah, obviously giving birth to a magically off. fast-growing baby I in mean, an elevator. Yeah, I, <laughs> and this bit ba- exactly. And then at the end of the episode, everybody's at the bar having beers, and everybody's good. It's da, nice. Da, 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 da. Uh, so Jessica so and the others—they're worried that if Paul rides this worm, that the Fremen are going to want him to challenge Stilgar yeah. to decide who's going to rule the Fremen. Um, in an epic thumb wrestling contest, yeah. and the thing is, no one wants Stilgar dead. Paul doesn't. Jessica doesn't. Nobody does. But it's like the Fremen way, where the Fremen are going to recognize Paul as like, first of all, he's a he's becoming this religious leader to them, and they all worship him, and they know kind of what he is because the um, oh, I can't remember the name. It was like the missionary. Uh, projectiva or something it was the the benny jesuit seeding like these legends thousands of years ago so the fremen know yeah. about the quizad's hatterack and they know about what he could be so they they're almost worshiping worshiping i can't say that word thanks alcohol worshiping they're worshiping him workshopping like a god. they're workshopping him like a god um yeah. So Stilgar takes Paul out to find a worm, and if anyone would like to cover this, please do, because I just wrote talk about it. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's uh, also I wanted to bring up that um, they did introduce the characters that like Paul's security detail, which is like this oh, Death yeah. Commando squad, which is really cool, and they have this. Um, they're all like hardened <laughs> warriors, right? Like, and they have these. Uh, they have these sayings that they say before battle, and uh, I got one here that's pretty good. I think it's uh, it's a pretty amazing quote, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna throw it at you right now. Go ahead. The world is a carcass. Who can turn away the angel of death? <laughs> that's it. It's pretty good. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's cool because um, Paul has a thumper, which is a, a machine that's supposed to attract um, worms. Okay. 
So it's so, like a so rhythmic device. Yeah, yeah. My problems with book three. <gasps> okay. Oh, so here we go. Paul gets all up in it. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's riding, riding it, the and he's, he's like moving his yeah. placement things so he can like turn it and shit. And then they start talking about like, and Paul was aware of the other badass motherfuckers who were rad who would harness a worm and then they would do like handstands and shit. And I'm like, <laughs> those guys sound awesome. <laughs> Paul's just like, all right, and then I put my arm out the window perpendicular so people know I'm making a right hand turn. And I'm like, no, give me those motherfuckers who are up there doing hacky sack and shit. Well, he's trying to pass his uh, his DWV test. Yeah, you know what he passed? He passed his lame ass motherfucker test. Oh my god! How dare you speak of the Duke Duke that way? That's a, that's terrible. As a professional rule follower, let me tell you, I don't want to read about a professional rule follower. We're oh, lame. We're lame oh. ass people. But he's not. Okay. He, he's just following in this circumstance. It's the first time he's ever ridden a worm. Like you have to understand uh-huh. that. So uh-huh. he's not. It's not. It's not. He rode the smaller ones. Oh, yeah, okay. the, the smaller ones, but this one's 400 Did you meters. never this see Teen Wolf? Did you this, never see Teen Wolf, dude? This he can be up there surfing. This one's, 400, this one's 400 meters long. You know how, how big 400 meters is? It's a fucking lot, man. That thing's huge. Teen this, Wolf. This teen is... Wolf. Okay, guys, settle down. This is, his, <laughs> this is his driver's test. Imagine taking a driver's test, and you're doing great. You're obeying traffic signals, the speed limit... Exactly. And then you look, you look over at the instructor and you instructor and you go, let's see what this baby can do. And you step on the gas and go ninety miles an hour. You are not getting your driver's license. You know what? Respectfully, that would have been some Han Solo shit, and I would have loved it. Uh, would you have gained the, the the Fremen respect that way? I don't know. I don't. Know. Uh, is anyone more respected in the universe than Han Solo? Probably not. <laughs> All right. Well, now that uh, now that Star Wars is in the Dune universe because they're doing a, uh, I'm sorry, in the what? In the what? In, in the Dune universe. Yes. Can't do it. Okay. Now that it's in now that there, now that Han Solo is canon in the Dune universe, yeah. we're okay. uh, we're able to uh, we're able to claim that. No, so, but yeah. the scene was really cool, and this begins. Yeah. The uh, book three, Paul is simultaneously so badass and such a sociopath and this just begins it like he's oh yeah he's like 30 steps ahead of everybody like he knows everything and he's like don't worry the way that i rode this was also a plan but then my plan about the plan about riding the worm was also a plan and then there's also a plan and it's like i'm totally guys i got this i'm playing five-dimensional chess well, yeah, that's the thing. At one point, like, he was, like, screaming about, like, owning the planet. He's like, this is my planet. Like, I am in charge. Like, he was he was freaking out. Like, I think that was in, in one of his little spice yeah. trip outs. But, uh, I'm the king but of the he world, was like, Ma. Yeah, he was like, I am in charge. Like, you respond to me. He was, like, yelling at yelling at his people and stuff like that. So Idiots. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But um yeah, so he he's riding the he's riding the sandworm, he's having a hell of a time. Stilgar is kinda like breaking his balls a little yeah. bit, I think, in a way. No, there like was like he, a soft dune on the yeah. right, and why didn't you position our people over there? Yeah, and I think at one point he like puts his like he puts his hand on Paul's shoulder and is like kinda like holding him and he's like he's like, You kinda fucked up there, like you can't you can't do that. Like you ha- it, you might fall into the sandworm's mouth. 
And Paul kind of interprets it as a bit of a, a challenge almost. He's like, is this a weird, like, is he stepping to me type thing, right? But they're both kind of wary. They're like, because Stilgar is also thinking that maybe Paul is going to step to him and try to kill him and take over. So there's this weird sort of tension between them as they're riding these gigantic plated sort of sand beast I, I i i felt that it was very much when mike tyson is holding the two pigeons and saying now kith oh boy no <laughs> uh so just to fill it in how they steer the worm is it's called maker hooks yeah and yeah. they dig them under the the um kind of scales of the worm and it irritates them and the, the worms are kind of going to you know scratch the itch and that's how they steer them i thought that was kind of interesting and it's like how many fremen did it take to learn how to drive one of these things? right they've been doing that for generations now but boy howdy well yeah but stilgard is having a hell of a time he was, he was like having so much fun he's just like this is great so the ro- the rollout of this is really cool though because later in the book they're like for us, the audience, it's like, oh my god, he's riding a worm. And then later they're like, yeah, it's like an entourage of worms and like the big ones and the little ones. And there was like a palaquit on one of them. like, And then there was like a sidecar on the other one. And there was like the circus. And there was like a food worm coming up. And it's doing like corn dogs for everybody. Like they mundaned it really quickly. Like, no, it's not actually this epic, cool thing. It's actually just the way that we convey ourselves across the planet. Yeah, it's like um, the Jurassic Park movies where the first time you see them, it's like, this is amazing. And by the last Jurassic Park movie, they've been around for a while and everyone is used to them. Yeah. Yeah, who so cares? It's like, well, there goes some of the magic. Who cares yeah, that Chris no, Pratt trained a, a oh. collection of thopters? Who cares? Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, though. no, it's... Yeah, that's that's no good. That it's taking away the it's taking away the 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 surprise of it. The the I don't know the the mystique, right? Like I don't no, know. but it, it, it this scene was super cool. It's really epic, yeah. and and as I recall from the movie, it's presented as incredibly epic when he does this. But yeah, the music. <laughs> anyway, we'll get to the movie another time. So, yeah, we we'll get to the movie the other night, but the 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 the, the, the music in that is uh, oh boy. Uh, so uh, also, oh, I ahead. found it interesting that uh, one more thing about sandworms. I think um, it's interesting that it, it said at one point that they go and they sulk after they've been ridden. Oh, poor babies! So they have feelings. <laughs> like guys, you have to you have to think about the sandworms' feelings. Be nice. It's um it's it's very important. All know? right, it's I'm starting um, a new podcast that's just about the sandworms and how mistreated they are. Exactly. We have to we have to, you know, we have to care for we have to care for our, our environment and um and uh you know, it's 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 very important. It's very important. You're going to make blackfish but with sandworms. Yeah, it's going to be called yes, the real yeah. dune boys. Oh, exactly. Oh, shit. No. <laughs> okay. So, um. Set, oh, no. So, <laughs> Expose yeah. or something. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Paul is like, he's, he's cool. And so they get bored and they are going to investigate a smuggler's camp. And they kind of trick the, to get out the smugglers, they lay spice down on the ground. And it attracts these smugglers. And guess who shows up? It's Gurney. Oh my God, Gurney's alive! Amazing. Oh my God, 
It was so really they, good to see him. It's been two yeah. years, or possibly four. Yeah. So they no duck in no duck in Idaho though he's, no, dead. he's dead. He'll be back. He'll be back. Oh, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, so they they find Gurney and um, they have a big hug and along with Gurney is Sardaukar warriors and they I think they like jump them and the Fremen kill most of the Sardaukars, but they keep some alive and they send them back to the Baron saying, um. The only reason we're, we're alive is Paul Atreides is like let us live, and I think yeah, it was like a me- it was basically a message back to the back to the Baron that you know that shit is on. Yeah. I'm coming for you. Um, so yeah, he sends it saying like this is uh, I'm Paul Atreides and I'm also Moadib. Just so you know what's coming, and yeah. the Fremen have stopped spice production almost entirely. So the uh, emperor is very angry and the spacing guild who needs the spice to allow everyone to travel throughout the universe is angry and they are coming to arrakis dun dun yeah they all they're all uh yeah it's all the shit is going down it's interesting because um uh they were talking a little bit about more about the sardaukar and um it turns out they have like weapons hidden all over their bodies yeah they are killing machines they have like they have like almost this piano wire that's like hidden in their hair, so they can like pull it out and then attack people yeah, with it. Yeah, they have fake toenails. The toenails can, were the coolest thing. Off. They have toenails that co- yeah, co- correspond cool. with other parts of their body that then can be used as yeah. a transmitter or like a weapon too, right? Like, yeah, they uh, they say like fake teeth, so they could like take out part of their teeth and like turn it into a knife or something like that. So it's. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool, man. They're real badasses, but they get their asses kicked. Yeah, in this the only situation. cool thing the Sardaukar ever did yeah. was kill Duncan Idaho. Yeah, basically. But um, yeah, they're they're a bunch of bunch of bitches compared to the Fremen, right? Um. So Stilgar, he he knows that the Fremen are going to want uh, them to fight and. Paul, he, like, yep. just goes up to Paul, and Paul's like, calm down, buddy. Like, I'm not going to do this. This Things are going to change a little bit. So he gathers all the Fremen at a big pizza party, and he says that he's not the leader of the Fremen. He's the Duke of Arrakis. Is this a pizza party at Pizza yeah, Hut? Pizza Hut. Oh, yeah, dude, right? I hope I got that Cheez-Its pizza. They do. They have the Cheez-Its, and they have the stuffed crust, and it's great. Oh, the Cheez-Its one is like, uh, that's like a, almost like a weird, like, panini sort of thing. It's got cheese on the inside. No, there's one where, there's one that looks like the, uh, the the Taco Bell Crunchwrap Supreme, but the outside, instead of it being a tortilla shell, is Cheez-Its. Oh my god, that sounds disgusting. Yeah, I can't wait to try it. (laughs) Uh, so, yeah, Paul says that he's, he's the Duke of Arrakis, and he knights Stilgar. And he says that like he's he's the duke, and it's going to be a royal house working with the Fremen. Well, yeah, it's interesting because he gives this big speech about how times change and things change. He's like, "I've come to you, and I'm I, I want to uh, I want to lead this group of people." And um, yeah, it's a really impassioned speech that he gives. It's uh, 
And, but he's also talking about how, th- how things do change. Like, they must change. Y'all want me to kill this guy? <laughs> You're a bunch of jabronis. I ain't gonna kill him. He's useful to me. He's he's my right hand. Like, why would I... He, I think at one point he even says, why would I cut yeah, off he my does. right hand? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why would I do that? And it's a really great point. Like, why, yeah. you know... Why? Why raise the sword when you can, you know, when you can, when you can yeah. lower the hand and uh, and be why peaceful? Why do you idiots? Not everything requires. Yeah, why death. do you idiots want us to be weaker by taking away the strongest guy here? Exactly. Why cut? Why cut out this strong root when you could let that root grow? And like, it's yeah, it it makes, it makes so, a lot of um, sense. So, um, at the pizza party, uh, through or uh, Gurney meets Jessica and. Instantly tries oh, to, yeah, yeah very just tries tense to scene. kill her. Yeah, because he still thinks that Jessica was the one that set up uh, Paul's father for death, basically. So she, he's got he's got an axe to grind, and also he he you know he swore he swore an oath to the uh, to the you know to Paul's father, the Duke, and um, so he's trying to fulfill that oath. It's very admirable. Even if it is wrong, which yeah. it turns out to be. So, but I, the scene was anticlimactic, though, because like they talk it yeah. out. Yeah, I mean, but you, you didn't expect no. her to actually kill her, right? Like uh. this conversation could have happened previously. They just, hey, 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 let's just hug it out. Let's hug it out. Hug it out. Well, well, they're just reuniting, and Gurney's still catching yeah. up on the situation. So, I mean, it's uh, I, I think it's it's fair. It might not be the greatest scene in in, in this part of the book, but uh, I thought it was you know I thought it had a bit of tension okay. tension to it because he's like you know holding a knife to I, his throat. I, see, I think the Gurney story is really cool, barring this part because he was a warrior and then he spent two years cross classing as a rogue, and he ended up badass as shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he played both both sides. Yeah, of the so I, I just wrote Paul stops stops it from happening, says knock it off, and they all hug. So yeah, that's I what I said. Hug it out, bitch. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so Paul he decides like everything's nice for a second, and he decides to drink the water of life to see if he's actually the Kwisatz Haderach um, as yeah. like the final test. So so I was confused by this. The prevailing yeah. theory is that the reason he does it is because. He didn't foresee that Gurney was going to try to kill Jessica, and so he realizes he doesn't yet have enough like psychic ability. Yeah, he has like he has blank spots, and I think that he. Well, he did. He, yeah, and he's kind of doing it to I don't know to see everything, kind of cheating a little bit. So uh, he <laughs> he drinks the the water and he he goes into a coma for three weeks and. The Fremen think he's in a religious trance, but uh, Shani is like, she's freaking out. And uh, she forces Jessica to wake him up. And, like, right when she's about to, he grabs her arm, and it's like kind of like a Vulcan mind meld type situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, psychic, yeah, yeah psychic like connection. He, yeah. he shows her all the things about how I guess this is Frank Herbert being a little sexist that women can't be Quisette's had her eggs. So they can only go on the female side, but Paul can go on both. And Uh, yeah, and he kind of gives Jessica like a glimpse at both sides. And 
I wish I could describe this more. It's just it's just like showing her like I'm I'm the middle of this. I can I can do both, and I am the Kwisatz Haderach. And then tells her that the Emperor has thousands of ships above Arrakis, and an invasion is imminent. Right. War is coming. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty pretty wild scene. He's describing what's yeah basically what's coming. So it's it's more looking into the future. Um, which he was doing kind of when he was tripping on spice, but now he's achieved like full on, like he knows what's going to come. They have the so. whole, I think it's, um, the emperor, all his people, all the houses are all going after yes, them yep. all because the spice has stopped and it's like, we're, we're taking care of this. They, right they make a point that they made transport to Arrakis so cheap that even the poorest houses are coming to come down here and plunder. Yeah. We'll like, we'll take anything we can get. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like it's basically, it's like, it's more or less a trap. Like he's bringing everyone in the universe. Yeah. He knows exactly him. what he's doing. Oh, it's like attacking the second Death Star. Oh boy! <laughs> there you go, buddy. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, it's all this is all this is all you know. These are all moves that he's making. So it's uh, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty and here's cool. where Paul is like, you know, the the terrorist and freedom fighter discussion where like, the bad guys never call themselves a bad guy. Um. Mm. Yeah. So okay. Paul is he tells uh jessica that he needs her to change this water of life like to get a huge amount of it and i'm not sure exactly how this works but i don't know if she's poisoning just water or if she's changing something and um he he finds a way in his mind to Mix it with the spice or something with the worms, and it yep. causes okay, a I, chain reaction. I, I go, so go I ahead. just I just read this today. So so this okay. part, and this gets back to I know it sounded like I was joking, but this is the Cold War thing. This is okay. the mutually assured destruction thing. He finds a pure source from a small worm, and the idea is there's a good and an evil force, and if he takes the small worm and extracts the good force from it and then were to add it to the bad force of a large spice deposit it would begin a chain reaction that would turn everything to water and would kill all of the spice on the planet yeah Sounds like nonsense. Uh, yeah, it's heavy. It kind it's of was stuff. some late sixties nonsense, yeah. but well, it's that terraforming thing that he was talking uh, that uh, that um, that uh, Herbert is uh, obsessed. Well, not obsessed with, yep. but it, it's but no, fascinated it's, by. It, it yeah. is. It is absolutely so uh, yeah. like this is when I say the Cold War thing. Like he's creating a situation in which if you come after me, I will destroy the universe because if I can't have it, nobody will. Yeah. Yeah, he'll shut down all spice production forever. Yeah, <clears throat> and cut off everybody. So it's uh, yeah, but he yeah, it is a, a cool threat. speech because he talks <laughs> about like 
from the beginning of time there's there's like an impulse to help and an impulse to hurt and both of those things are so pounded yeah. down that they're in every cell of our bodies constantly at war sure it's almost a little bit of a yeah it's like a internalization of the world around us sort of like a interpretation sort of yeah i can't really I'm having in, trouble in coming the up book, the words the to describe it the human race is spread out all over the galaxy mm-hmm. if not farther and uh, they just had this announcement that um, they found a planet that most likely has a Earth-like atmosphere that could be habitable, and then it's like it's 10,000 10, light years away. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Let's go. And then they're like, oh, it will take 10,000 years to get there. So you take away the spice, and you take away the instantaneous travel to all these planets, and that just means that we are stuck and that's he as part of his threat later we'll get to it but he says that exact thing of just like yeah that's fine i'll destroy all the spice and then humanity will just be little pockets barely surviving all over the galaxy well yeah and it it brings up kind of a interesting sort of examination of like commerce and stuff between countries and uh between places in uh, maybe in the world or in the universe, whether it be there or the other. Um, so it's like, are we, do we connect with other cultures? Do we, do we sort of uh, exchange goods and services? It's, or, or are we more insular? It's, yeah, it's kind of interesting. It, it, there's some subtext yeah, going think... on there, I think, too, right? Whether it be well, the no, Russians I think or at the time this book was published and was popularized, that was. It, we were becoming a globalized yeah. world. We were not. We were no longer islands. We now yes. needed to think about the broader impact of yeah. what each of us does and how it affects the broader world. And this takes it onto the next scale. Sure. But I still think it's talking about that same thing. Well, yeah, and I and I think I mean uh, Herbert would have would have lived through the rise of I mean America as far as like a superpower goes. It's been a superpower for a long time, but. Um, he would have seen a lot of changes in his lifetime because what he died in the, in the I know he died or... after he got to see the movie, which is probably why he died. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. But he, he, he was alive through world war one, world war two, the great depression. I mean, he saw <laughs> both world wars. I'm not, I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah. World war one <laughs> right. was in 1915 to 18. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, maybe he made he it that died long. In the That's 80s? possible. Absolutely, he might have been a, a young kid. Both of them. Yeah, he had Benjamin. <laughs> he had Benjamin Button's disease. But at any rate, you guys Cheers. go on with your point that I'm totally going to pay attention <laughs> yeah. to and not look this thing up. Okay. Well, I'll tell you that oh, the emperor, um, the emperor lands, and the Fremens just start blowing the shit out of everything. Yeah. Gross. Yeah, the Fremen come in and start uh, attacking. Well, not blow. They're not blowing anybody. Well, they're it, just blowing it, stuff up. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a full scale attack. The Emperor swoops in. He's a pretty oily character too. Um, the Emperor is not a uh, good person. He comes in with his uh, 
with his assistant, with his sort of mentat, yeah, Benny the, Jesuit, uh, which basically Gaius, mother mo. Okay, let's edit that part. Uh, Not yeah, at all. The nineteen twenty, by the way, he was born in nineteen twenty. Okay. <laughs> so you're right, Dick. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you win. You win, dude. I win. Uh, so yeah, the the emperor he has. The Reverend Mother Gaius Mohim, which is the one that gave Paul the Gamjabar or the um, the test in the beginning of the book, the grapes and the cold spaghetti. Yeah, yeah. yeah she comes back. She's making a and call. Nobody, back. nobody stole that joke from you guys. Oh shit. Uh, yeah. So there's a big fight, and Paul. This is a big no-no in the Dune universe. He uses atomics, and I think he doesn't. He like blow a hole in the shield wall or mm-hmm. makes yeah. it easier. Now there is a there is a rule in the Dune universe, and it's called, I believe, the Great Convention, which means Dune that universe. if um, any family uses atomics in war, the entire all the houses blow the shit out of that planet, so they're gone. It's like the number one rule where it's like Paul is like, "We're done. We're going to do this. Screw everybody." So that was a, a pretty big part of the book that some people might not know about. Sorry about that, Jan. I So that might be established later, but I they didn't... I mean, they had talked about the, re, the, the reason that they don't use atomics, but I, I didn't realize that there was some ultimate consequence to it. Well, no, but that's the... It, it, the subtext is, again, with the mutually assured sort of destruction thing. Um, the leftover World War II, uh, you know, after after the Americans used the uh, used the bomb on uh, on the Japanese, there was no there were no more bombs yeah, dropped yeah. after that nuclear yeah. bombs. Well, just the two bombs that killed hundreds of thousands of people. Exactly, but after that, nobody, you know, there was no more. No one used that weapon. Because yeah, it was it, so horrific. Agreed. It's, it's so it's uh, it, it's kind of an interesting thing. Like they're like, if you use atomics, which I mean, come on, the name right there. If you use these weapons, you will be destroyed. And yeah. it's the same way between you know the Americans and the Russians. They're like, oh, if you a- launch at us, we're going to launch at you. So it's like yeah. absolutely. And but then there's also a line from Paul in this part of the book where he's talking about how, no. Yeah. People forgot how to fight against guerrillas and thus lost the ability to shut down guerrillas. The, the Fremen army led by Paul are using guerrilla tactics and sure. nobody knows how to fight that anymore because any, everyone's fighting these honorable rule following wars. And in the meantime, um, as you guys were talking about, uh, as Jeff mentioned, I think it's the, are they freedom fighters or are they terrorists? Because they're using uh, really yeah. horrible tactics. They skinned Harkonnen lieutenants and yeah. used the skin as the drums of war. Well, yeah, they, they, cool. I, I'm not sure if that's actually true or if that was something <laughs> that one of the characters had theorized to. Yeah. Like, it, comes up, that, it comes yeah. up twice, including... Twice? Yes, because one of them is in the interstitial... Uh, the book written by his sister in which she claims that that uh, did in fact happen. Shit. Yep. Okay, that's wild. Yep. Wow, okay. Hardcore. Um, I think, wasn't it like the Revolutionary War yeah. where the British were all very dainty gentlemen and all lined up in a <laughs> row where it's like, 
yeah. a row of 10 by 10 and they had to march in a certain way and then the way they figured out how to defeat them was to just run around from the back and kill them that way and that's why america is america yeah because the british had these rules. weird rules about war yeah, yeah they're like mm-hmm. you have to be you have to be honorable and you have to shoot your look your opponent in yeah. the eye despite like, the way on. despite the way we paint we paint portraits about it the revolutionary war in america was absolutely guerrilla warfare oh for sure yeah and i mean you look at i mean uh, maybe uh when when did this book originally come out? 60 67 65 I believe. 65 When was Vietnam? Was Oh man, we were involved in Vietnam from just after World War II all the way into the 70s. Yeah, I think it was like the 50 something kind of started to like 72 or 3 I think. So it might have been might have been a little bit of a comment about that too possibly. Yeah. The Tet yeah. Offensive. Yes. Okay, so during the fight, uh, the Sardaukar invade the uh, Steech, and they kill Paul's son. Yeah, and they they kidnap Aaliyah, and then there's just a lot more fighting. Yeah, a lot of killing, a lot of fighting. Yeah, it's mostly just the Fremen slaughtering the hell out of the Imperial soldiers, though. Yeah, and the Emperor is not very happy about this. Well, it's uh, fun too because. Uh, I don't know. Did we skip over the part where they've got Aaliyah oh, no. as a hostage? That's, 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 he just said that. That's yeah. They oh, they yeah. kidnap okay. Aaliyah yeah. and the Emperor and um, the Reverend Gaius Mohim. I love that name. I love Salsa Secundus and Gaius Mohim. Gaius um, Mohim's great. They yeah. are they're freaked out about Aaliyah, just how weird she is, and uh, he is not very happy with the bear. He's pissed off, and he, he doesn't understand why they underestimated the Fremen and Aaliyah gets to meet the Baron yeah and uh, I would like to make this more exciting but Aaliyah uh, just goes up to the Baron he doesn't understand what's going on and know why there's this weird little kid and he said or she says to him like I am the I am the daughter of Jessica and and Duke Leto and I am the sister of Paul Atreides, Moadib, and the Baron is shocked. And Aaliyah just straight up kills him with that Gamjabar point yeah. poison thing. Gets him, gives him with the little pinprick. Yeah, and I I love that because I just imagine this little. Oh, it's kid a great and, it's a great scene too because she's like standing up to him and being like, Bitch. "I want to see this guy squirm." She's like saying to the Emperor that like you know you should you should make this guy squirm a bit. And it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty good because she's, of course, you know, wise beyond. Her I think years the Baron's misunderstood so. as a character, and I did not. I did not see his Wait. death coming. Uh, it's just he also gets he gets dressed down in this scene. He dies like shamefully, basically. Yeah, he he's just like he's questioning the emperor. He's like, I didn't mean to. He's like, I'm sorry. Like he's almost apologetic, but like not aware of what's going on. The emperor is so pissed at him. It's pretty. Great. And I I just pictured. I, I know this is not what happened in the book, but when she stabs him, I pictured him popping and blowing yeah. around like a balloon when like he a balloon. let go of it. Yeah, yep. making the farty noise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I For, think they do. I think they do say at one point that he's just like kind of floating there with his mouth open. Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, okay, so man, this is kind of wrapping up. Uh, so the emperor he retreats 
And he's yeah. like, I'm out of here. He taps his little communicator and he teleports out of there. And Paul, for the first time in years, goes home to the original house they had, the Atreides uh, house in the <laughs> Atreides house <laughs> with a beautiful little garden. Uh, yeah. In the, I think it's called Arakeen. Yeah, that's the man. He announces that he is going to marry the daughter of the emperor and become emperor and uh, calls for them to show up to the house so they can work this out. And the emperor shows up with uh, Fade, who's now his buddy. I don't quite understand that because. Yeah, it's weird. Like he's he's done with the barons. Like, why does he keep the baron there? But I, I guess Fade is now the the baron of um i guess he inherited the throne he did they mention it okay so that makes sense now Thank he's you, the John. bear apparent oh my oh, god boy. you're fired <laughs> 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 uh yeah so uh the emperor's there some of the houses are there uh the spacing guild shows up not the little floaty guys but the, like the guild um representatives i guess and the and Paul straight up tells him his plan and says, I am going to, if you don't listen to me, I am going to destroy the spice. I'm not fucking with you guys. I'm, this is done. This is like Paul being a man. And it's like, yeah. Paul is a luscious 17 year old boy and he is standing up to the whole damn universe. It's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, I mean, he says he's going to terraform the planet. And um, or half part of the planet, yeah. the, the the worms will still survive. There will still be spice. Yeah, yeah so and it's kind of like a and now another another yeah. segment of why John was disturbed by book three. Oh no! Oh my God! They introduce so many third act characters, literally third act characters, who have not had any heavy hand in this story whatsoever, and are suddenly the most important characters who are introduced. And subsequently dealt with in the span of pages. Are you talking about Count? Uh, yes. Okay, good. Yes. You, you can explain this because we were just talking about this before you came on, where it's like, like the 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 princess who's throughout the book giving like little notes and stuff. She's she. I think she only appears. In the last couple pages, and Count yes. Fenerig is the same. Where it's like, why is this guy suddenly important? Who we've never heard guy? of him. The only thing I can think of is they were setting up a sequel. Um, but Paul felt brotherhood for the first time in his life when he met this man. It's oh my god, you guys! You could have built this up. You could have built this up entirely. Don't get me wrong. I still fucking loved it, and I can't wait to read the next book. But simultaneously. So many things happen in the last 30 pages of this book so quickly. Okay, so he fights and kills Sting. Let's just do that. It's a long, it's a really elongated fight. And Jeff, this is why I reprimanded you earlier. Because he, his mother's like, there's a secret word that if you say it, it'll like shut off his penis or something. Yeah. And Paul's like, I'm not going to do that. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. He's fighting the Fremen way. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, he killed Fade. He killed Fade, so it was like, mm-hmm. hmm. yeah. I'm, I mean, he, he didn't yeah. need the secret penis turn off word. St- stabbed him in the fucking brain. Oh, that part was cool. Describing that was like, and the blade was sticking out of his brain as he looked 
at the emperor and was like, "I'm so sorry, dude. Yeah, My bad. Sorry, sorry, buddy. Oops. Yeah. But yes, and then they introduced this displaced in time duke. I, I can't. A baron, whatever he is. It, it's irrelevant. That's a count. He's a count. He's, He's count. Count. He's count Dooku. Um, completely introduced out of nowhere, and then they introduced this fascinating concept of this guy is a eunuch. He is a product of the Bene Gesserit like mating program, who's ninety nine percent there to being the thing that Paul is. Yeah, he. They were. He was the like the second uh, like the backup plan I think, and he was he was a eunuch, yeah. so they said like he's not quite a man and not quite a woman, so he it's going to be easier for him to get to where they need to be. Yeah, did I understand that right? Yeah, but but my understanding from it was that he's the closest they've gotten, but he's not like a backup plan. He just is. We were so close with this one. We're getting closer. Try again next time. Yeah. yeah, give us one more shot, guys. Yeah, and um, you know, I, and then you've got the uh, the holy the Reverend Mother yelling at Jessica about creating the little girl, but also commending her for creating Paul. Like everything happens so quickly. Yeah, they do jam uh, quite a bit into uh, the last uh, section of the book. Um, yeah, the the Count Fenring character. I mean, it just felt like kind of like a weird afterthought, but I mean, he didn't really play that big a part. He basically, the, the emperor ordered him to kill Paul and then he And said, then the no. emperor gave him a big old smack in the face. He smacked him in the old mouth, but um, the guy still said no. And he's like, no, I'm not going to kill this guy. Like, this is obviously, you know, yeah. you've lost this battle. Like yeah. we've, we've lost. That's, like, that's definitely now, so. some sequel setup right there. So po- um, I, Paul yeah, is like maybe. he's the closest thing that exists in the universe to me. Maybe I can identify with him a little. No, bit. no. it's it's literally the only time in the books that Paul has compassion, and they describe it as it's the first time he's ever felt a sense of brotherhood. Oh. Hmm. Except, well, he's had compassion before. Yeah. He didn't kill Stilgar. He could have killed Stilgar. He could have done a lot of things. That was not that was not compassion. That was they they revealed that that was political machinations. Well, it's true. That's true. Yeah, he was he was doing the right, uh, but he was still doing the right thing. Jessica is they they do a Jessica thought, and she's like, just as me and Paul and Stilgar planned, they did the thing. Oh, interesting! Oh yeah, catch that! Oh part. yeah, yeah. They they manipulated that entire thing. Wow, cool. Yep, interesting. This is the first time Paul has shown any human compassion. Yep, cool. So that's how the book. I mean, it, it, it ends on that almost. Including yeah. not towards his not-wife. Well, that's the that's the cool part. Shani gets to be the, uh, she gets to be the, the side piece, but like the more influential one. That ending, in, and Jessica giving the ending line is really powerful. Yeah, hold, it hold is. on. Yeah, she gets the last hold line. Hold on one second. Um, he, Paul tells the Emperor, like, this is what I'm doing, and I, I will marry... I will marry your daughter. I will become emperor, and I am not having children with her. Your line ends. Like, I am only doing this so we can have some kind of peace. Yeah. I, I believe so. And, but and like I'm going I'm I'm to steal all of your holdings, and you're going to live uh, on a prison planet, yeah. and fuck you. Yeah, suck it, boys. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. Gets everything he wanted in the end. Yeah, so it's like, hey, you know what? We're going <laughs> to... What a great way to, to end this, but you guys can give the final line, but it was like... We're going to have a little peace for a while, but the Reverend Mother Gaius Mohim knows what's coming. Hmm. What does she see? Yes, so that part's awesome. So the last thing Paul says is that he wants, instead of killing her, and he could strangle her right now, but instead he wants her to live and watch this all play out. And then Shani is upset about Paul marrying, and Jessica's like, see, the thing is, she'll live out the rest of her days, and she will not know the touch of comfort or love, and she will... She apparently wants to write books, so good luck, nerd. But <laughs> history will think of you and I not as concubines, but as wives. Yeah, it's cool. It's fucking it's, great. It's, pretty, it's a it's fucking great. great ending. It defies it defies that sort of um, uh, the patriarchal sort of uh, marriage institution, right? It's like. It's like she's uh, she's just a um, the, the the princess is just a headpiece basically, right? It's like a beard almost. Like, <laughs> it's kind of fun. <laughs> a beautiful fremen beard. Except it's got a little yeah. bit of the Robert Jordan thing, where it's like, yeah, he's got as many women as he wants. Oh yeah, it is. It is a little bit odd that it that yeah that he needs both. It's uh, and there also there is something to be said about the whole, you know this is my wife and this is my side piece sort of, you know, it's not a serious type thing, right? Like marriage is supposed to be taken seriously, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so it's, um, look, I'm once divorced. I can tell you. (laughs) Ah, well, it's, uh, you're, you're engaged, right? You're, you guys are getting married soon, right? Engaged to get divorced. (laughs) Hey, you're, you're looking two steps ahead there, my friend. I, just like our, just like a true lawyer. Oh man, that's in the wedding vows. Like I can't wait to spend the next three to five years with you. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And then two years in litigation. Oh god. Yeah. So it's all fun. So again. This is uh, not again. This is the end. And uh, I got you guys uh, some little presents. Oh, that's sweet. Um, have any of you heard of the uh, the website Cameo? Cameo. Oh, no. oh yeah, what's that? What's that oh, about? No. Cameo is a is a website where actors and comedians and um, sports stars they all get paid a ridiculous amount of money to make little five second videos for people. Um, <laughs> are you peeing? Pouring wine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And I need being... wine for this. I don't know what's about to happen. You're like, I gotta fill my my still suit. Um, so I I went on Cameo to find uh, any actors from Dune, uh, reasonably priced under five dollars, and I hit the um, under five dollars. Yeah. So I I just figured some guy like that was a background actor or something. Uh, I, I could get you guys a little gifts, and uh, I hit lowest price to highest, and some things came up free. Hey, and it go. turns out that some of the workers from the Cameo company record free uh, messages. So I'm going to play these for you. Jeff, you are so sweet. Thank you, buddy. 
professional too. Professional. So, uh, Dickie, this one's for you. Oh, this is oh, from sweet. Kendall and another girl who showed up free. <laughs> nice. So let's have this load. Two for one. Uh, this says for little Dickie Killjoy. That's oh. you, brother. And it says this is Ooh. wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh, that's the review I wrote. Hey, little Dickie. Hey, little Dickie. We wanted to congratulate you on your hit podcast, June Boys. Thanks for the laughs and all the education. Thank you. <laughs> oh wow, so that's that sweet. From Kendall, she has a big smile. It is absolutely oh, a hit nice. podcast. Oh. Uh, yeah, number okay, one, this baby. this one, I can't remember, because this is just some guy named Alec Weber, and I don't remember what he says, but he's wearing a, a bear's hat and picking his nose in the video. Oh, cool. So this Classy. one I might cut out, because I can't remember what he says. What's up, Dickie? Uh, Jeff wanted to congratulate you on your podcast, Dune Boys. Uh, Jeff <laughs> and everybody else is extremely proud of you, as am I, so keep crushing it, and uh, I'm looking forward to listening. Okay, so this this, this sweet another bro, congratulatory one. He's wow. really proud so of much you, dude. Now this idiot is driving oh, wow. his car, recording this, uh, and he, oh, if he's wearing a Chicago Bears hat, he's in Illinois where this shit's illegal, and I'm going to, um, I am going to, uh, okay. yeah, no, report okay. his ass. Okay, now John, this is for you. Oh no. Hey guys, uh, it's me, a big sand one. And I want to thank a special goodbye to John Novak from the Dune Boys podcast. John Novak, there's poetry in being a sandworm. But the poetry in knowing John Novak, that is but one of a kind. Now, if you don't mind, I gotta crush some spice miners. Okay, so... <laughs> the hell I need to was see that? the video of that so hard. You do. Okay. So, John, this is your, your final gift before you depart us for just a little bit. You'll uh, be back in a couple weeks. Honorary Dune Boy. Honorary yeah. Dune Boy. Thanks for uh thanks for joining us. Yeah, man, thank you so much. Alright. On the record for the podcast, this has been my pleasure. Off the record, guys. This has been so much fun. I really enjoy doing this with you. Off and on the record. Yeah, no, it's been good, man. It's been a lot of fun. Okay. All right, Jeffy, hit me. All right, man. This is, this is, I paid $17.50 for this. Are you ready? Ready. I'm ready. John, it's me, Sleeves. I just hopped off the jet ski for a second because the Dune Boys wanted me to uh, send you a big old freaking thank you and a freaking dang old smooch. They said, uh, thanks for all the help with the goddamn Dune Boy show. It's not easy to be such a nerd and read a book like that, but you've done it and you made it cool as hell. Thanks, John. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> honestly the best loop. thing I ever done heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sleeves, he's a rascal. He needs to be careful on that jet ski. Well, gentlemen, for sure. I think that's a dune. Yeah, I think that's a dune. I think we made it. I think we we made it through the whole uh, yeah. through the whole dang book. All right, I gotta I gotta shut this down before Claire murders me. All right, man. Hey yes, guys. Yes. I love you, and I'm in love with you. Aw. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to pay the Hollywood handbook, guys. 15 bucks <laughs> for their catchphrase. Oh, All right, this is JP Nevex signing off. Peace. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, hold on. We got to do this right. Guys, it's been real. But I need to get out of here. I need to find some place with people like me. People who understand me. This place is dead anyway.